Uh, Jim did a great message. And if you haven't heard Jim's message, I really encourage you to watch it. We sent out an email with it this week. He talked about wineskins. And, you know, I think if you think about this year, we've had a lot of, ch- you know, we've made some changes. We, we didn't have three services, and now we do. And as we move forward, there's going to be some new things that we do, and we need to realize that we're going to go about some things in some new ways. That's just part of where we are right now. And so that's what that message was about. And uh, this morning, as we get going, um, I, I really feel like there's something important for us to talk about in, the, in terms of community. And so I'm calling this message Unity at the Table. And I really want you to go with me, and you'll see this later as I talk. I really want you to go with me to that upper room with Jesus. We're going to think about that a little bit together. But before that, I want to talk about a little bit about what's going on in our culture, because I feel like if we're not careful, that's going to squeeze us in ways that we don't want to be squeezed. So would you just pray with me as we get started? And then we're going to look at um, a couple of places of scripture together this morning. Father, as we come together, there's people getting together online right now, and we're going to meet outside, and we're meeting in here, and Lord, we know that when we gather, you are present with us, and we are so grateful for that. So as we slow down around the communion table, would you minister to us and give each of us what we need from your word? I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, unity is important, and sometimes we have to think about what are the forces that are at work that can divide us and separate us. So I wanted to start with a picture. Um, You know what? I don't think this clicker worked. Oops. Can you go back? Yeah. So meet meet Sophia. Um, Sophia is a robot created by the Hansen organization in... um, Artificial intelligence has significantly increased, and they are creating these, um, these robots to be like medical worker situations and companions for elderly and all different kinds of things. And if you look at their website, they talk about them being characters out of science fiction. Well, you think, like, Mark, what does a robot have to do with communion? Well, I was drawn, my attention was drawn to this by a Breakpoint article that I, or email that I got this week. And they segued from, from Sophia into some things that are being written about the future, in particular by a woman named Sherry Turkle. She's, off, she's authored three books. She's a professor at MIT. So she was one of the first to say computers are going to do a lot more than math. And then she predicted that there was going to be this whole life online, that people were going to actually live and just, you know, dwell significantly online. But the last book was about artificial intelligence. And so she believed that a culture so accustomed to digital life and so bad at human relationships would not be able to resist replacing those relationships with artificial intelligence. So people are going to turn 
to artificial intelligence, computers, machines, the relationship. And, and Breakpoint said this, the booming market for human-like artificial intelligence isn't just a sign that we're expecting too much from robots, as Turkle says in her subtitle, we're also expecting too little from each other. In other words, we are in, an, in a culture that is so bad at human relationships, we're turning to machines for company. We give machines personalities and have relationships with them, like, like that's going to solve our issues. I bring that to our attention, not because I suspect that that's happening for you. I bring you to that to our attention, that that's the world that we live in, that people are thinking like that and experiencing that. But there's more to it than that. Because you see, the other thing that makes relationships so hard right now is the polarization that is existing in our country. Now, I brought your attention to that when I mentioned that Netflix documentary called The Social Dilemma about how we're becoming polarized. And I did a, a deeper dive in that into a long article um, this week. And it talked about how intense the climate in our country is right now. And one of the studies said that 40% of Americans believe that the other party, whichever one you're on, the other party, they don't just disagree with their views, they think they're evil. Now, we know that people are sinful, but to make a sweeping generalization that all of the people in the other party are evil, that, that begins to have some significant implications on about how you treat them. And so further in the article, it said that 20% of either party, 20% as much, would justify or think it's possible to justify violence. Now, what does that spell? That spells a powder cake to me. In that context, we are at a situation where if somebody expresses a view that's different than yours, not about you, but about a topic. If someone expresses a view that's different than yours, the person who hears that feels like they've been attacked. Just because someone expressed an idea that they didn't agree with. Now how does that create any kind of environment where people can work together or talk about difficult things? It becomes impossible. And you might think, Mark, why are you talking about politic issue, politics issues and why are you talking about robots? Because I want you to pay attention to the culture around us and how hard it is to have relationships with people. And then think about how that can infiltrate us in our interaction with one another. So I said I wanted us to go back to that upper room. So I want you to think about that night that Jesus was betrayed. We go back to that all the time when we do communion. And he was sitting there at the table with his 12 disciples. So who was at that table? Well, Peter, right? Remember Jesus washed the feet of the disciples? And uh, he was washing Peter's feet. And Peter goes, don't wash my feet, wash all of me. And, and then there was John. You know, John was there. And we know Judas was there for a while. But I want you to think about two more. I want you to think about Matthew 
And I want you to think about Simon the Zealot. Matthew was a tax collector. That meant that he had bargained with Rome to collect their taxes for him. And you know that tax collectors were hated. Oftentimes, they collected more taxes than were needed, and they pocketed the difference. And in fact, in, in, the, in the religious teaching of the day, some teachers taught people how they could lie to tax collectors. Think about that. It's okay to lie to tax collectors. That's how much they were reviled and hated. And also, sitting at the table was Simon the Zealot. Now, the Zealots were a party that was, not really a party, but they were a group of people who were violently opposed to Rome's occupation of Israel. And they acted in violence and even assassination. So imagine those two sitting at the same table. Imagine those two sitting at the table and sitting, listening to Jesus teach about how to love your enemies and how to pray for those that despitefully use you. Think, think about what that would have been like. How could they have even stood being together? I think how they could was the presence of Jesus, that Jesus was sitting at the table with them. I think how they could is they listened to him talk about the kingdom of God. They listened to him say, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. I think they began to realize that there was something bigger and more powerful and more prevailing that was present and that they were going to live and seek that. I think that's what allowed them to be at the table together. So in Corinthians, they struggled, and you know that Paul had to write to them about a number of things, but one of the things he wrote to them about was about communion. And this is a chapter where he does that. And he says this, But in giving this instruction, I do not praise you, because you come together not for the better, but for the worse. For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that divisions exist among you, and in part I believe it. There are all different kinds of things that can divide us. And Paul says, that's not good. He doesn't commend them for that. He rebukes them for that. And he tells them to deal with it. So I wanted to slow down this morning around this because I wanted to give each of us a chance to think. And so in the time that we normally spend preparing for communion, I've got three questions for you. And I want you to think about those I'll be quiet and, and let you meditate on them. And I want you to pray about them because I feel like we need to do business with the Lord. You see, what's our purpose? Our purpose is that people know Jesus. What's the hope for transformation? It's Jesus. What will change people's hearts? It's Jesus. Is our hope for people that they'll switch parties? Is our hope for people that they'll switch their political views? Or is our hope for people that they meet Jesus and are transformed by his presence in their life? You and I have to be about the kingdom of God first. And I think there is so much fear in our climate right now, so much anger in our climate right now, that you and I can get caught up in that in all different kinds of ways.
And I think we have to resist that. I think we have to resist that diligently. Paul says, be diligent to preserve the unity of the spirit in the bonds of peace. So I offer these questions to you because I need to ask them of myself and I want you to have a chance to do that too because I think as a body there are so many wonderful things that God has ahead for us that we can do. So here are the three questions. First, is there any sin I need to confess before the Lord which is hindering my relationship with him? You know, the psalmist talks about regarding sin in his heart. When we are contemplating, contemplating something that is wrong and holding that before our eyes or our mind, it hinders our intimacy with God. So just confess it. We know that Jesus died for our sins. You are forgiven because of what he has already done. Just confess it and receive that forgiveness. Don't let any sin hinder your intimacy with the Lord right now. Second, is there any resentment I am harboring toward people with different views than my own that demean them or has any violent undertones? People around us are made in the image of God. He loves them. And we can't allow wrong thoughts enter our head about the people around us. They are human beings made in the image of God. Yeah, we know about the depravity of man. We know about sinfulness. We're not saying that everything they say or do is right. That's not the point. But we treat everyone with dignity and respect because they're made in the image of God. And we can't be harboring an attitude that damages our ability to love them. So just reflect on that. Ask the Lord to reveal any of that to you. And then here's the third. Am I connecting with others in the body here at Grace for fellowship and community? We need each other. Unity is hard to maintain. And when you don't get time with other people, it is easy for bad thoughts or kind of errant thoughts to enter into. You begin to become suspicious because you don't have the time to go like, did they say that about me? Or do they think that about me? Or... All kinds of things will come in and destroy relationship when we don't get time together. So, are you gathering with other believers? We need each other in times like that. We help each other by being together. So I'm going to be quiet now, and I'm going to give you a couple minutes just to reflect on these and pray, and then I'll get up and give you the instructions for communion. So I invite you now to have someone from your group go and come one of these tables and get the elements for your group. And then I'll lead you into the next steps after you do that.
night that was uh, a Passover meal, Jesus took the bread and said, this is my body which is broken for you, which is given for you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the gift of your Son. Thank you that Jesus came so that we could know you. We beheld your glory in him. And thank you that he died for us, that we might be set free. As we eat the bread now, may we rejoice in you. And then Jesus took the cup and he said, this is the blood of the new covenant. We are purchased by his blood. We were washed by his blood. The, the blood image is used in many ways to describe how we are made new. So let's drink in remembrance of Jesus. Now let's worship. <laughs> 